Welcome to session three of the Prayer of Commitment. Let's begin by reviewing our experience thus far. We started with the first part of the prayer, which is about how God restores us to a right relationship with himself. Then we followed with the second part, which is about what it costs God to make us right with him. Now, as I recite the prayer out loud, try to recite parts one and two to yourself. Then follow along by reading part three silently. While doing so, use your imagination to see what you say. God, I realize that I have sinned and that my sin separates me from you. I come to you in repentance and I receive your forgiveness in Christ. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me and I join you in death to sin. I believe you rose from the grave for me and I join you in resurrection to eternal life which you give by grace through faith. I take you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others and holding only to you throughout eternity, I give you my life and I receive your spirit. In this session, we will focus on part three of the prayer, which is about what it costs us to receive God's gracious gift of forgiveness and salvation. But before doing so, let's first focus on the Lord by giving him our undivided attention. Pick a quiet space that works best for you, but don't think that means you must be inside. For me, I experience God best when I'm in direct contact with his creation, like walking on a trail in the woods or sitting quietly by a stream. So keep that in mind. For now, I invite you to join me on an imaginary journey that leads us into God's presence. Start by closing your eyes and focusing on your breathing. Inhale deeply. Hold for a moment, then exhale. Continue doing so over and over. As you inhale, say to yourself, Lord, while imagining his face in your mind's eye. Continue doing so, but add Jesus as you exhale. Breathe in, Lord. Breathe out, Jesus. Imagine yourself walking on a smooth path in a wide valley with the tree-covered mountains on both sides. The Lord is right beside you, walking with you. The sweet smell of pine in the crisp, clean air is refreshing. You see a lake in the distance, but it's not too far, so you keep walking together, silently until you reach the shoreline, which is covered with tiny, smooth pebbles that feel cool and welcoming to your bare feet. Jesus stops there, so you stop and stand close beside him, enjoying together the breathtaking view of a clear blue lake that complements a clear blue sky, with green fir trees carpeting the mountains as far as you can see. Jesus turns to you and he says, 
Be still and know that I am with you and will never leave you. Now open your eyes and respond to the following questions. What was most meaningful about the imaginary journey you just experienced? Share an imaginary journey of your own from last week. How was it meaningful? What does it feel like for you to be in God's presence after an imaginary journey? As we continue on, let's keep in mind the purpose of the discipleship process, which is to experience spiritual intimacy with God and each other, remembering that this kind of intimacy is about the Lord revealing himself to us personally. In effect, God is saying, come in to me and see who I am and what I desire to do in and through your life. Now, with the Lord right beside us, let's open our hearts completely to him as we turn our attention to part three of the prayer, with you listening as I recite it out loud. I take you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health forsaking all others and holding only to you throughout eternity, I give you my life and I receive your spirit. Now, with your eyes closed, let's focus just on the first two sentences with you listening to me recite them and using your imagination to see what I say. I take you, Jesus as Savior and Lord, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health. Open your eyes. What did you see? What did you experience? For me, I saw Jesus, not only as the one who saved me from sin that leads to death, but also the one who became Lord of my life. So I take you, Lord Jesus, amazed by the fact that you first took me, cleansed me of my sin, and came into my life. Help me to hold you just as tightly as you hold me, both now and forever. And make me always mindful that since your commitment to me and love for me are unconditional, mine must also be unconditional. That means that whether times are good or bad, whether I have money or not, and whether I'm sick or healthy, my commitment to you will not change. Let's continue. Close your eyes again and listen carefully as I recite part three again. I take you, Jesus, as Savior and Lord, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, 
for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, forsaking all others and holding only to you throughout eternity, I give you my life and I receive your spirit. With your eyes still closed, let's focus on the last two sentences with you listening to me recite them while using your imagination to see what I say. Forsaking all others and holding only to you throughout eternity, I give you my life and I receive your spirit. Open your eyes. What did you see? What did you experience? For me, I saw all the people who are important to me, from my parents and siblings, to my wife, children, and grandchildren, to my brothers and sisters in Christ. They mean so much to me, but cannot and must not come first in my life, for that place is reserved for you alone. Just as you, Lord Jesus, hold me close forever, help me hold you close forever. And as I give myself fully to you, help me to receive the fullness of your spirit. Part three is a rendition of the wedding vows because that's what a relationship with Christ is about. For we are his bride. As we reflect on this experience, let's remember to say it by reciting the text, see it by visualizing the text, and then share it as we will do now. With part three of the prayer in view, what did God reveal about himself and you? With part three of the prayer in view, how will you respond to what God revealed? With whom will you share this week about your experience with the Lord so far. As mentioned in sessions one and two, prayer reading is a conversation with God while prayerfully reading and reflecting on his word. For part three of the prayer, the corresponding Bible passage is Luke chapter 14 verses 26 through 30. So let's turn our attention to those verses by first considering their context. In Luke 14, 25, Jesus is in the company of large crowds who are showing an interest in him, likely because they are impressed by his power to heal and teach. With a diverse audience before him, Jesus tells them plainly what it means to follow him by stating the cost of discipleship, which amounts to putting him first and foremost. In short, Following Jesus requires total commitment. Open your Bible with me to Luke 14, 26 to 30, and listen as I read from the English Standard Version. Jesus addresses a crowd. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. For whoever does not bear his own cross 
and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Follow along as I demonstrate pray reading this passage of Scripture, doing your best to see what I say, while asking these two questions of God. What are you revealing? How should I respond? For me, I'm stunned by the opening words of Jesus, where he clearly states that anyone who wants to follow him must hate the people nearest and dearest to them including their own lives. Coming from the one who said, love your enemies, this doesn't make any sense, Jesus, unless you are using hyperbole to make a point, like you do in so many other teachings. You go on to say that following you requires that I first die to self, which is what taking up my cross is all about. This is exactly what part three of the prayer is saying with the words, forsaking all others and holding only to you. Lord, the example of counting the cost before building a tower in verses 28 to 30 relates to what it means in the prayer of commitment to be all in no matter what, for better, for worse, etc. Please help me, Lord Jesus to count the cost of what it means to follow you. Help me to be all in. Now reflect on this experience in Luke 14, 26 to 30, by responding to the following questions. With this passage in view, what is God revealing most about himself and you? How does God want you to respond to what he has revealed in this passage? This ends my presentation of the Prayer of Commitment Part 3. But if you want more and are willing to go on, I invite you to take the next step, which is the Guide to Worship. In the meantime, keep meeting one-on-one -on -one with Jesus day by day and also with fellow disciples to share, encourage, support, and pray for each other. Let's always remember that our goals are to experience spiritual intimacy with God and one another. Our assignment this week, which follows, is simply to practice what we're experiencing. Each day, read, recite and reflect on parts one through three of the Prayer of Commitment. Take your own imaginary journey that leads you into the presence of God. Converse with God while prayerfully reading and reflecting on Luke 14, 26 to 30. And lastly, talk to at least one person this week about your experiences with the Lord.